Good afternoon, everyone. What a sweet time in the presence of the Lord. I'm going to pray and jump into this week's message. We are very excited about today, so hopefully y'all are too. Father, we do thank you for today. We thank you for another opportunity, another day to experience you, to worship you, to come into your presence with thanksgiving in your courts with praise today. I pray that our hearts would be receptive to the word that you have for us today. I pray that it is encouraging but convicting and that it produces great fruit in each and every one of our lives, in the lives of our families, this church and this community. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as you know, we've been going through this series on evangelism, and we had originally, if you weren't here at the beginning, we had this connection card, and we've been praying for the one. This is the one person that God has put on our hearts to pray for, for God to move mightily in their life, for salvation, for deliverance, whatever it may be, and we just put the first name under prayer request, the first name under testimony ripped it in half. We put the testimony down here as an act of faith. And then we've been praying and agreeing with y'all every week for the one. And then you take the prayer request portion to remind you to pray for them every day. So if you haven't done that, I encourage you to do that today before you leave uh, and leave that testimony part up here so we can agree with y'all. As we've been going through this series on evangelism, we've looked at different aspects of it, like being a faithful witness to what God has done through us personally, taking a stand and being an example in our day and age and in our culture. And last week, we explored how God can use prophetic evangelism to speak truth and life into the one that we've been believing for. It's obviously much more effective to pray, to watch and listen to what God's already saying, and then just speak those words of life into the one he's been highlighting for us to pray for. So today, we're going to take another step in that direction. We're going to go deeper and explore how the Holy Spirit equips us to minister to the one and win them to the Lord through power evangelism. Now, similar to prophetic evangelism, we're using the Holy Spirit's empowered gifts to reach people for the Lord. This is not anything that we could do in our own strength or in the natural. This is only by the spirit of the living God are we able to minister in supernatural power. So today there are four truths that we need to know and understand in order to move in power evangelism. The first truth we have to grasp today is we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. We have to address this because we have stated this before, but we cannot stress this enough. When we are trying to minister to people in power, we have to ourselves be filled with, controlled by, and operate under the influence of the Holy Spirit. The good news for us is that Jesus himself will baptize us with the Holy Spirit so that we can go and do the things that he has called us to do. The bad news is that if we haven't been baptized in the Spirit, we really can't go around expecting to see the miraculous when we are not endued with power by the Holy Spirit himself. To illustrate this, I have an analogy. 
Imagine if your father bought you your first car. He gives you the keys. He hands it over to you. He even teaches you how to drive. But then you never take the time to go put gas in the tank. You see, we have to fill up in order to have any power. To take this a step further, what if we did go and fill up the car? What if we did get the oil changed? We got it washed. It looks all pretty. But then we just left it in the garage and we never actually took it out anywhere. I think that some of us are at that point today. We've done everything we know to do. We've taken great care of what we've been given, but now we need to move. We need to actually step out and take it out. See, a car was never designed to park. A car was designed to drive. It needs to move. And we need to go out into the world. We got to get filled up to have the power. Jesus wouldn't even let his disciples go out to minister without his physical presence being on the earth, without first being empowered by his Holy Spirit. Look at what he instructed in Luke 24, verse 49. Jesus said, listen carefully. I am sending the promise of my father, the Holy Spirit, upon you. But you are to remain in the city of Jerusalem until you are clothed, fully equipped with power from on high. We shouldn't expect to be any different or have any special treatment than the original 12 apostles. If they needed the Holy Spirit in order to step out and minister in power, how much more do we? Jesus went on to say in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you will receive power and ability When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses to tell people about me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, even to the ends of the earth. I'm grateful for that since I don't live over there. As we've said, part of the reason we have access. Yeah, you got that. Part of the reason we have access to the supernatural power of God so we can be his witness. So we can accurately relay to the one who God is, how God acts, how God talks, and how he works among his people. God has given us a supernatural language to pray directly to him with no distractions or hindrances at all. The gateway to the supernatural realm is praying to God in the Holy Spirit. When you pray in tongues, you are praying the perfect will of God into a situation. We don't always know what to pray, but the spirit inside us does and helps us to intercede. We don't know what's being said in our mind, but our spirit man is being encouraged. It is being built up. It is being filled up and refueled with power to do the things that need to be done. So that is truth one. Truth number two today you can demonstrate God's power. We see from scripture that this was Jesus' instructions. Wait to minister until you're empowered with my spirit. And his disciples obeyed. They prayed in the upper room and waited until the Holy Spirit came on them at Pentecost. It says they were all filled with the spirit and all of them spoken tongues. From then on, we see it's the imperative that his children are filled 
with the Holy Spirit in order to operate in his power. Even the deacons at the early church who waited tables and passed out food had to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Whenever you see people prophesying or working miracles from Acts forward, you see in scripture they were first filled with the Spirit. Stephen was one of the original seven deacons in the early church. Scripture clearly says he was a man full of the Spirit. He was not one of the 12 apostles, yet still we see he was able to operate in the supernatural power of God. So it's clearly not just for the elite or the few. In Acts 6, 8, it says Stephen, who was a man full of grace and supernatural power, performed many astonishing signs and wonders and mighty miracles among the people. I love this passage so much. Look at what it doesn't say. It doesn't say Stephen was a super apostle. It doesn't say Stephen was a prophet. It says that Stephen was a man. He was just a guy full of grace and God's power. That's great news for us today since we can just be a man or woman of God filled with God's power that we can go out and do great things for the kingdom. We see that Philip was also one of the original seven deacons in the early church. We also know that he went on to have a powerful evangelistic ministry in Acts chapter 8. I'm going to read a few verses from there, so stay with me. Picking up in verse 4. Although the believers were scattered by persecution, they preached the wonderful news of the word of God wherever they went. Philip traveled to a Samaritan city and preached to them the wonderful news of the anointed one. The crowds were eager to receive Philip's message and were persuaded by the many miracles and wonders he performed. Many demon-possessed people were set free and delivered as evil spirits came out of them with loud screams and shrieks, and many who were lame and paralyzed were also healed. This resulted in an uncontainable joy filling the city. Come on, somebody. That's good news right there. Picking back up in verse 9. Now there was a man who lived there, who was steeped in sorcery. For some time, he'd astounded the people of Samaria with his magic, boasting to be someone great. Everyone from the least to the greatest among them was dazzled by his sorcery, saying, this man is the greatest wizard of all. The divine power of God walks among us. For many years, everyone was in awe of him because of the astonishing displays of the magic arts. And I love verse 12. But as Philip preached the wonderful news of God's kingdom, the name of Jesus, the anointed one, many believed his message and were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon, the sorcerer, believed and was baptized. Wherever Philip went... Simon was right by his side, astounded by all the miracle signs and enormous displays of power that he witnessed. We see here preaching and miracles go together. 
The miracles help to back up the words that are being spoken. We also see that operating in God's power is not just reserved for those special few who might have titles or degrees. It's for whoever is willing to be submitted to and filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, even the original apostles were mostly just simple fishermen. Stephen and Philip were basically waiters, food distributors who had the faith to step out and take Jesus at his word and operate in the miraculous too. Listen, there are many people in the world, even in this very city, who just like Simon are steeped in sorcery, witchcraft, or the occult. They've been deceived by a measure of power as their search for influence and significance has led them astray to what the enemy has. For many, the only thing that will convince them or reveal the truth of God to them is for believers to walk out in supernatural power that is far superior to anything the enemy could ever give. Then, like Simon... They will be convinced that God is real and leave their old life of black magic and witchcraft behind. Our God is stronger and more powerful, but unless his followers are willing to stand up and demonstrate it, people will continue on in deception. I long for the day where there will be mass conversions of those who have practiced witchcraft right here in this region, that there will be a revival that is so powerful they will come from the four corners of Tomball and Houston and just like Acts, burn their magic books, renounce their spells, and turn and worship the one true God. I believe with all my heart we will see that day, and I look forward to it with expectation, that will be the best bonfire ever. But it will take a church that has the faith to step out and trust God to move in the miraculous and demonstrate the power of God. You may not have a title or position, but you have the same Holy Spirit that the early disciples had. You have the same spirit that Jesus himself had when he was walking on the earth. You all have a measure of faith to use. When you use your faith, you please God. And exercising faith is always the precursor to seeing God's miraculous power manifest. So if you have the Holy Spirit, if you have faith, you can operate in the same miracle power and be a bold witness that builds people up and clearly demonstrates God to that one. So we've seen the first truth, we have to be filled with the Spirit to operate in God's power. Truth number two, we have to understand you can demonstrate God's power. And the third truth, the gospel is power. I love what worship leader and revivalist David Binion says. The gospel without power is not the gospel at all. What gospel are we preaching from our pulpits? How far have we come from the way, the truth, and the life? We have to honestly look at what the apostle Paul wrote in Romans 1.16. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel 
because it is the power of God. We have to honestly ask ourselves this though. Am I ashamed? The gospel is power, but are we ashamed to say so? Are we ashamed to say it to the one that needs to? It is the very power of God, but it has to be declared. It has to be spoken. We have to be bold. Do we preach in faith that Jesus heals or only that he comforts our families as we die in the hospital? There's a difference. Do we believe and teach that Jesus can heal every sickness and disease, that all anxiety, worry, and fear has to go at his command, or that God has seen fit to replace deliverance ministry with the local pharmacy? We have to stir up some faith and believe God and not just default out of fear and just go along with the world. Look, I'm not saying don't seek medical help as you're on this process of healing. What I am saying is that too often we have totally and completely forfeited our authority as children of the king and just went along with whatever's most convenient, whatever is easygoing, and we blend in with the world instead of influencing the world that we are supposed to be the difference in. I don't want Jesus to come back and be astonished by our lack of faith. Now, unfortunately, that will be the case for some, but I want him to come back and see us and be astonished by our great faith. I want him to come back and find a church full of fiery faith, believers that believe that he is still sovereign, that all things are possible with him, that have the childlike faith to simply take him at his word, to step out and be obedient to what he gives us to say and do. I want him to come back and say, well done, good and faithful servants. You took that measure of faith I gave you and you actually exercised it. You actually tried to step out and do the things that I told you to do. You took your gifts and extended them to others to see other people saved, healed, delivered, and set free. You actually demonstrated my love and power and you plundered hell and populated heaven. But... Will we risk looking foolish to the one in order to be obedient to God? The gospel with power is the exact model Jesus himself demonstrated for us in scripture. And isn't Jesus our ultimate example to follow? Jesus himself came as a man who was anointed by the Holy Spirit. Most of Jesus' earthly ministry centered around two things preaching, and performing miracles that led people to believe in God. We see in Luke 4.14, after Jesus was baptized and after he overcame temptation by Satan in the wilderness, he went back to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and the news about him spread through the entire region. You see, Whenever you have people empowered by the Holy Spirit, the news about Jesus will spread. That's the biblical model for building the church. Holy Spirit power. That's how we win the one in an unbelieving world. Holy Spirit power. We've got to have the power of God operating in our lives and flowing out to minister. Again, we see this strategy from Jesus 
modeled in Matthew 4, 23. And Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the good news of the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people, demonstrating and revealing he was indeed the promised Messiah. You see, Jesus preached the kingdom of God, but he also demonstrated the kingdom by healing every disease and sickness. This is the same way in which Jesus commissioned his followers to emulate, to take his witness to the world in Mark 16, 17 through 18. If we want to be like Jesus, this is not just a lofty goal to strive for. This is the commanded way of walking out obedience. Mark 16, 17 through 18. Jesus said, These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. Jesus said it. This is not my opinion. Signs follow those who believe. So do we really believe? Do we really have faith to believe what Jesus said? That we can demonstrate his love and his power? That's it. But we have to remove all doubt. We have to remove all fear. Only faith pleases God. So my question today, what are you afraid of? We bind and cast out any spirit of fear right now. Are you afraid of persecution or what people might think of you? We bind and cast out the fear of man right now. Are you afraid of failure? That you'll exercise your faith but not see anything happen? Well, the good news is it's not you. It's God in you that's doing the miraculous anyway. Some people might limit themselves with thoughts like, well, what if I do something and it doesn't happen? Well, I'd like to turn that around. What if you do pray for someone and it does happen? What if God does show up and totally turn things around and heal someone or set them free? We are called the righteousness of God and the righteous are as bold as a lion. So I would like us to have radical righteous, roaring lion type prayers who actually exercise faith to see it come to pass. So I just want to say today, be loosed from any fear, from anything that's holding you back today. Be free to pray bold, faith-filled prayers in Jesus' name. I want us to be the people who will actually take a step out of the boat and walk on the water with Jesus. Be the one that will reach out your hand and say, rise and walk. Grab hold of that mantle today to operate in the miracle power of God. Pull on that same anointing that breaks every yoke from the enemy. We are God's agents of freedom. And people should be more free after having an encounter with us since they're really having an encounter with the God inside of us. We are the people of faith. We are his anointed representatives sent into the world to do what Jesus did. And what did he do that he now commands us to do as well? Matthew 10, 8. Jesus said, 
heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you've received, now freely give. Now, you'll notice we can't do any of those things without the Holy Spirit empowering us. Look, casting out a demon is not pretty, but it is powerful. Demons are ugly, and what they do to God's precious people is ugly. But when they are cast out, then there is freedom and deliverance. Sometimes it will take this level of powerful demonstration to reach people. It might take them seeing a tumor disappear before their eyes for them to realize, oh my goodness, God is real. It might take them seeing an arm grow back to realize God's all powerful. Sometimes it will take them being delivered from a demon to realize the freedom they've been missing and where to find it. And truth number four today, we have to realize God's power is for today. If you get these four truths, I'm saying there's an army just because you may not have seen any of these miraculous things happen doesn't mean they still don't happen. Unfortunately, some theologians and many preachers have taught people that all these gifts have stopped or ceased when the Bible was completed. And it is easier to change or lower our beliefs to match our experiences It's harder and actually takes faith to believe in something that you haven't seen yet. And yet that's how all of us are saved. But just like we saw last week, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just like he still speaks today, he still works miracles and heals today. It's one of his names. That's who he is, and he doesn't change. He is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Are we really to believe in a God that is omnipotent, but that doesn't ever display his power? Just look in the past century. There were many generals in the faith who took God at his word and saw tremendous miracles. Smith Wigglesworth was just a simple plumber who operated in the power of God and saw 14 people raised from the dead. Catherine Kuhlman was another one. She hosted the presence of God so beautifully. Many times in her meeting, she would just be speaking and the spirit of God would come through and just start touching people. No one would pray for them. No one would touch them, but God would come in and just start healing people. It'd be like popcorn. It's beautiful. I love seeing all of the photos from, uh, there's a guy named Brian Taylor who actually goes through and documents many of the revivals and the things of the past. But it's very encouraging when you see mountains of crutches or canes and wheelchairs that people have left at the altar because they met God and his supernatural power healed them. It stirs up my faith to see what is possible. It increases my belief that we will see it again. I firmly believe that the best is yet to come, that God is saving the best for last. Just like when Jesus turned water into wine at the wedding, he saved the best for last. Even today, there are many churches and ministries that see God move in mighty wonders just as in the Bible. Look, just because CNN's not reporting on it doesn't mean it's not true. Bethel Church sees and documents miracles and healings on a weekly basis. There are some children there who have never not seen someone healed that they've prayed for. 
I love that so much. Churches like William McDowell's Deeper Fellowship have seen sustained moves of God. They've seen people healed of lupus, cancer, paralysis, and countless other sicknesses and diseases. There's a husband and wife team, Jonathan Ferguson and his wife. They move in such supernatural power. They'll just motion and point at people and they will fall under the weight of the glory of God. Look, this stuff happens today. God is real. He's alive and he's still moving. Several of our partners see signs and miracles in their regular ministry. Ron Cantor. He's a spirit-filled Messianic Jewish church planter and evangelist who reaches Israelis in Israel. He had asked Todd White to pray for him so that he would have those same power encounters as he's walking the streets in Israel. One time he was at a conference in Jerusalem and he prayed for five different people that had different ailments and all five of them were miraculously touched and healed by the power of God. I believe we're going to see more and more of this power evangelism as the church globally wakes up. It gets back to the scriptures and stays filled with the spirit in our everyday lives. Anytime I hear a testimony or see a video of what God has been doing in people's lives, it encourages me and it builds my faith. I hope it does to you too. I would encourage you to go and check out any of these people I've mentioned today. Let it stir your own faith of what's possible with God. I want us to raise our level of faith today. I want us to increase our expectation for what God can do. I want it to grow. Wherever we're at today, whatever level we have, let's pray and ask God to grow it to newer, deeper, higher levels. I want us to be a body of believers here at Freedom House that will grow our faith to the level that every single person that walks through that door will be healed, set free, delivered, saved, and on fire for God. That we will come wondering every single week, what is God going to do today? those who are hungry, those who are desperate, those who will extend their faith and put their hope and trust in God are the ones who will get to see God move in miracle power. God is still healing. He is still moving. And all things are still possible with God. We need to pray and cry out for God to move like that in our midst as never before. I praise God for all the reports that I've already received from people being healed at Freedom House, but I don't want to just settle into that. I want to press in for more. I want all that God has for us. I want the fullness of what he has for us. I want us to believe God today for more. And we will see it because we are the people of faith. We take God at his word. We crucify our flesh and our right to know and understand, and we will trust that God is able, that he is all powerful and can meet every single need. Just like it was prophesied here several months ago, why not us? Why not here? Why not now? So we say today, 
Do it here, Lord. Move here. We believe that you are here and that you are touching and ministering to your people. Pour it out in greater measure today. Heal every sickness and disease in Jesus' mighty name. Show yourself stronger than any demon of hell or any demonic stronghold. You are mighty to save. Let your power Come, let your glory fall. Let signs, wonders, and miracles follow. We believe in you. God, let your glory come upon us now. We stand on your truth. We call on your name. We come into agreement with what heaven is saying. Your will is being done on the earth as it is in heaven. Let's continue to press in to seek God's face in that secret place, to get instructions from him in the morning for the one. Don't ever stop or get discouraged or quit. We are contending from a place of victory in the name of Jesus. He is going to move in power. He is going to set the captives free. It's not a matter of if but when. So we continue to believe and put our faith to pull the promise down into reality. It's going to happen and it is happening even now. So God, today, we pray that you would send power encounters to the one, the one that we have been praying for, the one that we have been lifting up before you. We intercede again before you today on their behalf. We ask that you would put people in their lives, maybe it's even us, in their path that will demonstrate your love and your power to them in a way that is undeniable, that it is powerful, that it is persuasive, that it convinces them of the truth, that you are real, that you love them, and that you are working all things together for their good. God, I pray even right now, even today, wherever they're at, that you would move mightily, that you would move mountains out of their way. God, we do pray right now for every blinder to be removed from their eyes spiritually, for everything that has been blocking their ears from hearing. We say, be cast out now in Jesus' name for everything that's been hardening their hearts, God, even like Simon, God, that it would be so powerful that even anything powerful that he has will be left behind, that will be left in the dust, that nothing will be comparable to what you are doing in their lives even today. So I say, do it, God. Use us. Use your people to demonstrate your love and power to the one. We thank you for their lives. We thank you that you have put them and highlighted them to us so that we can pray and be your agents of freedom to them. God, we ask for, as it says in Hebrews, God, that the the angels are ministers who are there to help those who will inherit salvation. And we stand in faith that they will inherit salvation. So I ask that you would send your angels to even intercede in these different circumstances and move things out of the way that they would see you, God. God, we are a church believing in you. We stand on the truth of your word. We stand on every prophetic word and promise that you have given us. 
Thank you for moving in power. Thank you for reaching their hearts. You know the exact thing that it will take for them to break. So God, break those hearts of stone even today. God, I thank you for the truth that sets people free. God, if we have not moved in miraculous power before, I pray that today we would receive the truth that that is what you have for us. That's part of being a disciple. That's part of being a child of God. Like father, like son, that we will walk in the power that you have given to us. It's part of our spiritual DNA to walk in your power. So show us what to do. Show us what to say. Show us how to be your hands and feet and your mouth to these people so they will see you and come to the truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.